Hey, this is Shannon from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron. Located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky, 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettlebell classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606-310-4918. History of science and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to next. It's a great big world with so much to know. Like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast. With Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we're discussing fascinating facts about oceans, rivers, and waterfalls. I'm Shannon Deaton, and across the table is a man whose love for deep, salty ocean water is only surpassed by his love for chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Jason Creekmore, how are you, sir? My advice would be to stick to the uh, rivers and lakes that you're used to, Shannon. <laughs> little little TLC fan? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever I told my wife we were doing this episode, and I, and I mentioned that we were talking about waterfalls, that she said we should play a little bit of that. You know, the don't go oh, yeah, chase sure. waterfalls. But I don't know that we will. That That's too... <laughs> Almost too much '90s nostalgia. That's a good song. For me. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. But Jason, we are talking about oceans, rivers, waterfalls, and just water bodies in general. Most of the world is covered in water, yet even though bodies of water are so common, we are all just fascinated by them. Each year, thousands of families visit large bodies of water for vacation. These are the one or two times of year when we get a break from work. And the one thing we want to do is go aim a chair at the most common substance on earth and just look at it for hours <laughs> and days on end. Never really thought about it that way, but uh, but, but thanks for that. <laughs> Man, it's been a hard year. Let's go look at some water. <laughs> My little girls can just turn on the water faucet and they can just play for hours. They, they wash their toys. They send their little toys on adventures across the sink. They generally just <laughs> splash around. I mean... It, it, water goes way back, man. Apparently, it's been here a while. Jason, why do you think people are so fascinated by water? I think probably it's just, uh, well, for me at least, it's, I don't know, it's like it's it's peaceful, I guess. Okay. I mean, you know, going to the ocean's one thing because you don't right. see that every day unless you live there, right? So that's just, you know, it, there's, there's a certain peace about it, but there's also like a, a little bit of a sense of, uh, the unknown, like, you know, what, what all is under the ocean and, and what all is on the, the ocean floor. And then even like in like in lakes and those types of things, you know, uh, I live close by Lake Cumberland and people have said, you would be surprised at how big the fish are in the bottom of Lake Cumberland. You know, they're, they're as big as Volkswagens. And, oh, yeah. And those things. Uh, yeah, I think uh, people just they're just intrigued by water because, I mean, you can just do so many things with it. Right. I mean, you, you can kind of like you can swim in it. You can float in it. You can play with it. You, you can, can put, drink it. You can put toys in it. Not, you not can drink overrated <laughs> yeah if you have enough of it you could get on a boat and want to you know yeah, in it sure. so uh i don't people just have a just an odd fascination kind of with just bodies of water it is it, it, it's kind of cool i've been to the ocean a few times and i it love never, it never gets old there's nope. just something about looking out at the ocean it's untamed it feels like something that man really can't control Right. Honestly, if you were to wade too far out into the ocean, that's it. I mean, the the best of us aren't going to be able to just swim out into the ocean and, you know, do do whatever we want to do. You know, we were years before we had visited the ocean after, you know, we we, uh, had our daughters. and, And golly, in the last probably 
three years. I guess we went five times. Yeah, probably to to different locations. But yeah, we uh, we we're beach people. We really like it. Uh, that's very cool, Jason. Here are a few facts about water in general. Did you know that sixty eight point seven percent of the fresh water on Earth is trapped in glaciers? I did not know that fact. I had no idea that there were so many glaciers. Here on Earth. It's a lot of water. A- any of those on Lake Cumberland? Uh, not that I've seen so far. Okay. What about the Cumberland, Lake Cumberland Monster? Lake you, Cumberland you heard Monster. Of that one? <laughs> oh, yes. I have heard of Lake Cumberland Monster. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think I may have actually saw that. I, I was semi-joking, but is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, has anybody ever brought that up? Yeah, we'll, like, we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a different <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's Deal. something there. Yeah. And finally, approximately 400 billion gallons of water are used in the United States per day at the Creekmore residence. That's a lot of water. <laughs> no, my goodness. I may have added that last part oh, for dramatic effect. Oh, I thought, uh, <laughs> man, we, we brush our teeth a lot there. I'm, I'm not sure. So 400 billion gallons. 400 billion gallons per day in, in the U.S. alone. Wow. Every single day. That number, I mean, that number is so high that it, it sort of loses its meaning. It does. You know, right? You can't really grasp 400 million or billion We say billion gallons. a lot on this yeah. podcast. And yeah. I'm starting to get numb to it a little bit. Yeah. But 400 billion is still apparently quite a bit. Yeah. Just, just shy of the number of listeners we have. <laughs> <laughs> it's close, though. It's, it's pretty close. We, we may have to recount. Yeah. So, Jason, our first topic up for discussion is a little place called the Dead Sea. Oh, boom, boom, boom. that's right. You heard of the Dead Sea? I have. I've, I have heard of that uh, in Sunday school. Yep. I have heard of that in seventh grade uh, geography and World Civ. Sure. And I have also uh, heard of that in the middle of uh, Fayette Mall and other malls as people will come up to me and say, uh, would you like to try this uh, facial cleanser salt type thing? It's from the Dead Sea. You can use it for cosmetics, apparently. Abs- yeah. So we, we yeah. bought some one time, and uh, it does make your skin kind of feel a little bit fresh. Feel, I mean, feel a little better. Yeah. I mean, I'm not you know super masculine saying that, but, uh, you know, it... <laughs> It works. <laughs> what is it about dead seawater that makes us feel so alive? I don't know, but uh, the the person I bought it of they could they could definitely tell you a lot better than than I could. But uh, I was I listened for like fifteen minutes and I'm like, well, yeah, why did I not had this Sounds before? Great. Yeah, awesome. So the Dead Sea is a salt lake bordered by Jordan to the east and Israel uh, to the west. It lies in the Jordan Rift Valley, and its main tributary is the Jordan River. It's called the Dead Sea because its high levels of salt prevent macroscopic aquatic organisms, such as fish and plants, from living in it. There are, however, small amounts of bacteria and fungi in the lake, and I'm sure they're very happy to be there (laughs) all by themselves. Sure. The Dead Sea has attracted visitors from the Mediterranean basin for thousands of years. As you mentioned, you probably heard of it in Sunday school because it has some religious significance being close to the Jordan. There's a very high level of salt content there, apparently, and this may be the reason for all the cosmetic stuff people like that the dead sea is one of the saltiest bodies of water on earth and that's not to say it's mean you know not like not like salty (laughs) heard people being salty you know uh the dead sea is apparently quite nice people people like it it has almost 10 times more salt than ordinary seawater this is because all of the water in the Dead Sea flows from the one main tributary, which we said was the Jordan River, so the salt has no way to get out. It flows into the Dead Sea, it stays there, and it's also complicated because the region around the Dead Sea is very hot, 
and it's also very dry. The water is evaporated quickly and often, which means the salt becomes even more concentrated over time. The Dead Sea has been used as a healing resort due to its high content of salt and minerals. It's a popular destination for treating skin problems such as acne, psoriasis, and cellulite. See, there you go. <laughs> as well as muscle aches and arthritis. Therefore, the Dead Sea is the largest free spa on earth and and apparently they bring it right to you in the mall is that right they just, that, just bring it right that's to that's exactly right and if you had enough of it uh just like in the dead sea i think you can uh float very easily i heard about this yeah, so. like like very easily like it's just like dive in and you just you'll just float <laughs> pretty crazy. much yeah yeah wow so in ancient times specifically biblical times king herod who reigned between 37 to 4 bc and it feels so weird to say that 4 bc (laughs) built one of the first health spas along the shores of the dead sea king herod can you Hmm. believe that wonder what kind of membership fees he had (laughs) according to legend cleopatra also loved the dead sea and used it as part of her beauty regimen so maybe that's where that comes from Hmm. a little bit Maybe the first malls were filled with yeah. some of that beauty regimen from Cleopatra. In 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 11 caves near the Dead Sea, and the scrolls dated around 250 B.C. to 68 A.D. And the scrolls contain biblical prayers and texts, all from the Hebrew Old Testament, that have been key to our understanding of Christianity. These scrolls contain the oldest copies of biblical text ever found. Now, Jason, have you have you ever heard much about the Dead Sea Scrolls? Oh, absolutely, what those yeah. Are? Yeah, that's uh, that's the, a cool thing. It's the first thing I ever yeah. I, I thought of whenever we mentioned we were going to do this episode and perhaps dig into the Dead Sea a right. little bit. But in addition to all of the things we've mentioned, since the Dead Sea's surface measures nearly thirteen hundred feet below sea level, sunbathers can rejoice because there is a lower risk of sunburn than at other destinations. Harmful UV rays are filtered through three natural layers, which include an extra atmospheric layer, an evaporation layer above the Dead Sea, and a thick ozone layer. So what do you th- what do you make of that? Well, that's uh, that's pretty cool right there. So I mean, you can go and get the cosmetic thing done, relax, sure. float. Some extra protection from, from UV rays. That's right. awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. I think I know what, what beach I'm going to go to next. <laughs> yeah, let's go stare at some water in the Dead Sea, nonetheless. <laughs> so, Jason, what's up next in our fascinating facts of oceans, rivers, and waterfalls? My first topic is a strange phenomenon where two large bodies of water simply do not mix. Uh, and actually, this topic was first mentioned to be my uh, mentioned to me by my uncle Dester, who said, uh, "Hey, this would be a good idea for an episode." And so, kind of here we are. Yeah. So, Shannon, uh, did you know that there is a location off the coast of Alaska, around the meeting point of the Arctic Ocean and the North Pacific Ocean, where it looks as though that a literal line has been drawn where these oceans meet? I only know because of your uncle Dester. Because we talked about we it. We talked right? about it. You showed me a video, and yeah, I mean, you just see the two kind of touching but not mixing. It's so really? it's, it's so weird. strange, yeah. I mean, when, when you look at the video, one side of the water is much lighter in color than the other side, and it honestly looks like an imaginary fence separates the two bodies. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like you put a ruler down, and it's it's so bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's two completely different colors. It almost looks like they're like flowing in different directions. Almost. Almost, yeah. I don't. I don't know if that's just like uh, something with the eye like a trick or yeah. something. You know, I don't know. But, but yeah, they're they're extremely. You can definitely tell. Like, you know, that's they don't mix. Like that's where they each body of water kind of comes to to an end. That's pretty cool. But after doing a little research, uh, this phenomenon is caused by the difference in water density and temperature of the glacial uh, glacial melt water coming off the shores of Alaska. 
Huh. So when this water begins to, you were talking about how much water is frozen, right? So when yeah. this water begins to uh, to melt and then mixes into the ocean, eventually it sort of begins to like literally float and, and go that way, but then it only goes so far. Hmm. And then it just sort of like some of the stuff kind of evaporates. But at that point, that's as far as it goes. Hmm. It's so strange. And so that's what creates that line is that really it's, I mean, it is, it is, it's not the ocean per se, but it's the water going into that ocean from glaciers melting. So that, that's what causes that. So it's, it's not like a, an actual, well, I mean, it kind of is an actual line in a way. So it sort of, you know, it kind of depends on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if you have not seen that, I, I would highly recommend someone to Google that, look at the videos, because it's really, really cool. It is pretty cool. What do you think would happen if you're underwater and you just swim from one into the other? Do you think some magical Twilight Zone thing <laughs> is going to happen? I don't know. It's you good, probably like a, premise, you anyway. probably go in in Alaska and then you come out like uh, the uh, Lost City of Atlantis. <laughs> An or underwater wormhole or, or yeah. something. Yeah. Or I, I want to know, like, how deep does it go? Yeah. You know, I mean, does it go sure. like 20 feet or mm-hmm. 50 feet or all the way down? Or sure. I, I don't know, but I, I thought of that too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, check yeah. out the video if you've not seen that one. Up next, we have the Mariana Trench. The Mariana Trench is located in the western Pacific Ocean, about 124 miles east of the Mariana Islands. It is the deepest oceanic trench on Earth. The maximum known depth of the Mariana Trench is, get this, 36,037 feet or about 6.86 miles. 6.86 miles underwater. Some sources reported the trench to be over 7 miles deep. Because Good I, night. I think a lot of the people who have measured it have used sound radar. Right. And that's allowed them to speculate on actually how deep the trench is. So somewhere six and a half, seven miles. Somewhere that's right. Yeah. This means that the trench is deeper than the highest mountain on Earth is tall. If Mount Everest were placed at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, the mountain would still be more than one mile underwater. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, isn't that? Golly, I didn't really think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you man. do not want your submarine... Yeah. To go down there, right? Yeah. Did you ever play the game like where you get in the pool and see who can go to the bottom? Can I hold your breath? Oh, bit? did I play it? <laughs> yeah. I play that like 15 times every summer. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot you were Aquaman's cousin. I, yeah, that's right. right. But I, th- this would be a losing game. I'm just going to call it. <laughs> You're not going to get too far into the Mariana Trench without having some sort of submarine or gear. Because <laughs> your know. head would explode. Exactly. <laughs> And all of your internal organs. Yeah, because, you know, whenever you go deeper underwater, the pressure builds and builds. And you have to imagine that because you have all of the water above you sitting on top of you, plus all of the water to the sides pushing in. And the deeper you go, the higher those volumes get above your head and to the sides. And it just creates a compacting. It's going to squeeze you to death. It's going to kill somebody unless they have the proper gear. The trench was discovered in 1875 by utilizing sound equipment on the HMS Challenger. Now, despite the lack of light and the hostile acidic conditions of the trench, there are over 200 microorganisms and small creatures living in the trench. And it's speculated that if we were to dive as deep as it goes and you know take a really good survey there's probably more down there than we know and they're discovering like new species i bet they are there's definitely uh, more down there than we know and there's definitely things that we do not want to know <laughs> i don't <laughs> want to know we don't want to learn no about. no 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 I'm, I'm confident of that yeah maybe that's where the lake cumberland monster originates <laughs> there's a there's a fair chance it could be yeah. it, it, it could have crawled out of that trench oh man 
So, though the Mariana Trench contains the deepest point on Earth, it has in fact been explored. There have been people who, who've gone down. Scientist Jacques Picard, which reminds me of Jean-Luc Picard, and I wonder if there's if, if right. the naming convention is, yeah. is huh. intentional That's there. interesting, yeah. I don't know. Going where no man be all that. <laughs> That's right. And U.S. Navy Lieutenant Don Walsh were the first people to reach the bottom of the trench in a deep boat. It happened in, can you guess the year? It would have to be in after 1875 when we discovered it. Oh, gosh. Uh, 1992. 1960. Oh, okay. Which surprised me yeah. when I saw that. Hmm. I would have guessed something like 92, maybe even the 2000s. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much marine technology has evolved over time. Like, apparently, right. we've been able to explore the deepest reaches right. of the ocean since 1960. I don't that think, surprises me. I don't think it's really been as developed as much as, uh, I guess, space technology, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the second person to launch an expedition into the Mariana Trench was a filmmaker named James Cameron. In 2012, Cameron had a 24-foot submarine design that had a a 9.5-inch thick window for taking pictures, just one window, and this happened in 2012, and all he did was he hopped in the submarine, he went down, he took some pictures, and they were just for his own personal sake. So obviously, that was the director of Titanic, right? That's what comes to mind when I think about James Cameron. But that's years after Titanic had had came out, I mean, like years. So so I wonder, he just... Just his own personal curiosity. Maybe just, he's looking uh, for another movie idea. I don't man. know. What are we going to find out? Maybe there? Jack made it. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, there you go. He might have made it. Maybe he yeah. maybe he went down to the trench where mm-hmm. it was maybe warmer. Sure. And survived down there somehow. Yeah. And that's, by, and by that, breathing in the salty, yeah. acidic. Um, that's right. Water. And, maybe he became something else and, entirely. And, and maybe or or maybe he <laughs> rode the Lake Cumberland monster out of it. <laughs> And rode it up to the shore. Oh, man, wouldn't that be great? Just on a dark night, you go by Lake, Lake Cumberland and you see first the monster and then just describe the monster on the back. You just see Jack. And he just keeps Titanic. saying, Rose. <laughs> I would just. On second thought, I don't want to see that. Yeah, no. Oh, that sounds terrible. I would just I would just pack my stuff up and go home. Jason, in 2009, President George W. Bush named the Mariana Trench a national monument, which I didn't realize you could do with things that weren't like monuments in the traditional <laughs> sense. <laughs> right. But yeah. I so guess so. It's a, it's a national monument. Uh, the last thing I'll share is that like other oceanic trenches, the Mariana Trench has been proposed as a site for nuclear waste disposal. And mm. this, this is more common than I thought. Yeah, I've seen that movie on sci-fi, <laughs> right? You How's know, that pan out? Yeah, certain animals that, you know, that we know organisms are that, that, that do exist, right? We can't see them. They're down there. Sure. Let's throw all of uh, our uh, you know, hazardous material down there, and let's mm-hmm. see what happens there. Let's Every, turn them into supervillains. Right. Ever watch, watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh, is that how that happens? <laughs> <laughs> Not a good idea. Teenage Mutant Ninja Fish, man. That's right. It's, it, it could happen. But those who support the idea of just dumping our nuclear waste into the ocean have hopes that the tectonic plate subduction occurring at the site might eventually push the nuclear waste deep into the Earth's mantle, which is the second layer of the Earth. And as I was reading that, I thought, so that's the pro? So they have hopes? That's, that's what we want? They have hopes of that? To happen? Yeah. Let's hope that if we just throw some nuclear waste into the deepest reaches of the ocean, that somehow the ocean will move around and suck that stuff right into the planet's core. Or we can only hope. Because nothing bad could happen from that, right? It's just the planet's core. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah. Again, I've seen movies. (laughs) However, ocean dumping of nuclear waste is thankfully prohibited by international law. I can't imagine why. 
<laughs> also, plate subduction zones are associated with very large megathrust earthquakes, which can be unpredictable. This probably wouldn't make for the best long-term solution for disposing nuclear waste. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and with that thought, Jason, let's uh, dispose of the next few minutes and check out the Slapdash store. How's that sound? That's pretty good. You did a good job on that. I've been working on that. <laughs> That's a good job. Hey, everyone. We're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice Slapdash hoodie or a Slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a Slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store store welcome back to our discussion on fascinating facts about oceans rivers and waterfalls shannon my next topic is going to be something close to home cumberland falls located at the border of mccrary county and whitley county in southeastern kentucky we're not too far away as we sit in the slap cave here slap caves what probably 20, uh, 20, 20 miles? Probably 20, 25 minutes away. Yeah. yeah. So Cumberland Falls is the second largest waterfall east of the Mississippi River, but more importantly is the only location in the Western Hemisphere where one can observe a moonbow. The moonbow is basically a rainbow at night directly below the falls. The moonbow can only be seen on clear nights with a full moon. Cumberland Falls is also known as the Little Niagara and has a height or a drop rather of 69 feet. Mm. Unfortunately, there have been several deaths over the, the decades and decades at the falls, but there have also been people who have survived the drop, and you can look at that on YouTube for some of their uh, uh, GoPro cameras that they've attached. Are these to their, people intentionally going over the falls? Yeah, that's oh. yeah, that, that's that's been done. Yeah, wow. And if, if they get it, you know, if, if they successfully do it, they survive. So they all so they get their you know they get to uh, to continue their life, which is a that's, positive. But they also get a ticket. I was going to say that's that's <laughs> win number one. Yeah. But, uh, so as yeah. they make it to shore and they're choking and almost dying, they're like, "Well, I'm I'm so thankful you're you're okay. Uh, here's your court date. Yeah, you've been served." <laughs> I guess I didn't realize that people attempted that. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. thought somehow I thought maybe accidentally that could happen because I've heard of the deaths, but right. people actually go out and they seek that out, huh? Yeah, no, th- there there have been several cases, uh, really, of everything. I mean, over, I mean, you're talking about. I mean, this has been there forever, right? I mean, yeah. practically. So there have been accidental deaths. There have been people that have tried to go over and die. There have been people that have went over it successfully. Now, this doesn't happen every year or, right. or anything. It's not very common, but, just ever so often. But but it does. But it does happen. Yeah. So have have you been to the fall? I mean, uh, a I, lot. I've been several times. I've lived close to it my entire life. Uh, my wife and I have went to try to catch the moonbow a oh, couple yeah. of times. I've not seen it. Uh, we've been there, and it's always been foggy. I think the conditions have to be almost like a full moon, clear night, and that, and then right. the magic happens, apparently. Right. H- have you seen it? I have been to Cumberland Falls. But we go probably one to two times a year, uh, like, mm-hmm. like for, for uh, hiking purposes or just to see the falls. Uh, but, you know, but you have to kind of want to see the moon bow, right? Yeah, so you yeah. have to be down there. It has to be a certain, like you said, it's a certain night. It's full moon. Perfect conditions. Uh, I, I, have only, I live a half an hour from it, and I have only seen it one time. Mm. Now I'm sure I could have seen it more than that, but uh, but there was one time where I went where the conditions were just right, and it is pretty cool. And and you know, to me, when I think of it, I mean, it is cool. All right, I mean, it's a moonbow. I mean, that's <laughs> I've heard that my whole life, but that's yeah. a strange thing. First time I heard it, think I had about no it. No idea 
what that means. Yeah. So the, the night that I went down there and washed it, I mean, there were hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, from all, you know, you, you can look at the license plates on vehicles. They so come from all over. All over the place. And they had you know, various, you know, cameras and, and camcorders and, and video recorders and just, you know, uh, sort of varying levels of degree of sophistication sure. with all that yeah. stuff. And it's a big deal. I mean, people really enjoy that. So for our listeners, the upcoming dates that the Moombo, uh, if, if, you know, in terms of the, the full moon, so we hope it's not cloudy, but the next couple of dates are coming up here pretty soon, September 29th and September 30th. Okay. And then get this, Shannon, there will be a full moon on October 31st. I heard that. And not just Halloween. That. It's Halloween. And I think it's going to be a blue moon. And I don't know oh, what really? makes a, a moon blue or right. an atmospheric whatever. So you've heard the happen. song uh, Blue Moon of oh, Kentucky. Of blue Moon of Kentucky. Yeah. So, Keep on so imagine a blue moon. That's pretty good that there. Yeah, you, you, like got, you got a good voice. Thank you. So imagine you going to. <laughs> I have to have a backup in case this podcast thing falls through. <laughs> So imagine going to Cumberland Falls. You're you're looking at a moonbow. It's Halloween night. You're under a blue moon in Kentucky. There, there's a lot of yeah weird vibes ha- kind of happening. There. Jack emerges on the Lake Cumberland. <laughs> the Lake Rose. <laughs> it's, it's like oh this the scene is so beautiful. Like in the in the yeah. far distance, like coming up the river. You know. Rose. Yeah. Oh man! I wonder how that will affect the moonbow, though. I mean, the blue moon. Oh, I thought you meant Jack. Oh, Jack. <laughs> I thought it will it will affect it dramatically. I'll, <laughs> I'll probably people... leave. That'll that's how it'll affect the moonbow. People it's... will just start throwing themselves into the falls. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, MSNBC, Fox, CNN, and they're all going to be down there. That's right. That's cool. But you have you noticed? I don't know how how recently you've been down there, but they've backed the fence up a little bit. There, I have noticed a, that. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yep. There's a barrier between the falls and how close you can stand to the edge of the cliff. That right looks the falls and it used to go a lot closer and it used to not be as like cumbersome as it is to, to kind of peer right. over there were just a couple of wires there but now i think they have like a more legit sort of security system right. and, and you can see that the holes in the ground where the old system used to be and this one's like probably a good 10 15 foot feet back from that even wow so i don't i don't know if that's in response to, to anything but I, it's something i noticed i know one of the most peaceful times of my entire life and you, and you think i'm joking because mindy still makes fun of me to this were you looking at water <laughs> well sort of so uh at the time we had a young lady named kara that was living with us she was a, oh, sure. she was a, one of our former exchange students from austria yeah. and so this was getting close to right before she was going to go home so we went to cumberland falls we you know did pictures and all that and there was a gentleman <clears throat> sitting on a a rock and he was playing this flute and he was playing uh, Simon and Garfunkel uh-huh, on the, on this flute so you could hear sort of the the falls in the background right you could hear the birds chirping That's great. and he's just do 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 you know and it was just <laughs> absolutely beautiful i mean I, I recorded it and my wife made fun of me because i mean i listened to it constantly I mean, I it was that. it was absolutely awesome. I mean, I could just the sit, sound of silence. I think it's the sound like of that. silence. Yeah, no, I mean, it cool. was absolutely is absolutely awesome. That's amazing. Now, are, are you sure? So it was a flute. It was yeah, and it was okay. a homemade flute because I actually I actually <laughs> talked no for real. I actually talked to this guy. He had somehow that's more majestic. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. he had he had several homemade flutes that oh, he, he had made. Uh, he wasn't selling the flutes. No. Yeah, huh. he was just taking, I guess, donations for the playing, but he wasn't selling the the flutes. Unbelievable! How cool is that? It was so cool. Yeah, that's really. I cool. was just mellow the rest of the day. <laughs> I bet you were. It's <laughs> awesome. That's pretty good. So up next, we have a little place called Point Nemo. 
If you've ever wanted to just escape or get away for a while, the best place to do that might be Point Nemo, and no, it has nothing to do with the fish. Oh, okay. Yeah, unfortunately. You had me for a moment. (laughs) Yeah, just forget about the rest of this if you're (laughs) you're worried about the fish. But what is Point Nemo? Point Nemo is a point in the ocean that is the farthest point away from land you can literally be. Obviously, you can't actually see Point Nemo because it's just an invisible point that marks the farthest location from land in the ocean. But when you're there, obviously, you're, you're nowhere, essentially. Um, the, the location is named after the submarine sailor from Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under oh, yeah. the Sea. The location is about 1,670 miles from the nearest land with Ducey Island to its north, Matanui, one of the Easter Islands to the northeast. My favorite island. My favorite island. (laughs) And Mayer Island, which is part of Antarctica, to the south. You may say, well, big deal. (laughs) Why does that matter? Well, Point Nemo was discovered in 1992 by a Croatian-Canadian engineer who used a geospatial computer program to figure it out. So this isn't something Hmm. that, you know, people just threw a dart at a map. Right. They, this man, he developed a computer program and it used an algorithm to calculate the exact point where if you were in the ocean, you would be the farthest distance away from people and the farthest distance away from land. The engineer himself didn't actually visit Point Nemo, but he realized that since the Earth is three-dimensional, or he assumed such, (laughs) the most remote ocean point must be an equal distance from three different coastlines. Thus, Point Nemo was discovered. Pretty pretty wow. interesting. Yeah. You know, I was actually reading a, a little bit about that earlier, and I think we were talking about this a few moments ago, mm-hmm. that uh, there there's there's a one mind-blowing fact that just kind of just absolutely just blows me this away. Is a good one. Yeah, so that uh, there are times that the closest human to Point Nemo is ac- uh, would actually be an astronaut. Wow. That if, I mean, if, if astronauts are sort of floating above that point, that mm-hmm. they are actually in space, in outer space, they are the closest human to reaching that point uh, closer than even the next landmass is to it. I love that. So um, imagine like being like on a raft and just being like tethered to that one spot in the ocean. Like castaway. And yeah. And, and then looking up and thinking uh, an astronaut's the closest person to me. <laughs> that's that's unbelievable. That's that's my blog. So what if you are on the raft and the closest thing to you is Wilson, the soccer ball for, you know, the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. And uh, what do you do? I mean, you, you obviously can't get to land. I mean, well, you, I, if one finds oneself there, <laughs> what do you do? One will also be uh, finding oneself dying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know what you do because, I mean, there, I mean, there's no way you could survive without food, water for that long. Yeah. And that's just the normal, natural, you know, things that you need, let alone the weather and, and all that. So I think you, I think your life's probably over unless that's the good it. unless the good Lord chooses to intervene. <laughs> There, there's been a lot of people, well, let me rephrase that. There's not been a lot of people, rather, that have gone by Point Nemo just for the sake of it. Because, again, why would you? There's, right. It's literally just a point. You know, sort of a, it, it's a real point, but it's imaginary in the sense that there's nothing Nothing's there. Nothing's there. Right, you're yeah. just going to find more and more water. But the thing about it is there's been a, a boat racing competition recently who is, uh, who, and they've added this Point Nemo as part of the, the racing track. Really? Yeah, so that's, that's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. One thing to know. Yeah. And maybe not as fascinating as the astronaut uh, information, which is awesome. Cool. But there are rumors that Point Nemo is a space junk cemetery. 
since no one is around, if you were going to do something nefarious like toss an old satellite or rocket into the ocean, Point Nemo is about the most discreet place on Earth where you could do that sort of thing because hmm. nobody's looking for you. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, Jason, wow. what's our next and final fascinating fact to talk about? Shannon, our final topic will be the Mighty Mississippi. The Mighty Mississippi. Mighty Mississippi. Your songs written about the Mighty Mississippi. Several. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Mississippi River is probably the most well-known river in the United States and played a significant role in the uh, development of the nation. However, did you know that at different times throughout history, the, the flow of the river has actually reversed? So instead of going this way, all of a sudden, just like that, it goes the opposite way, and it totally reverses course. On February 7th, 1812, an earthquake near Missouri caused the river to run backwards for several hours. Uh, This also happened in 2005 with Hurricane Katrina. And most recently, it happened August the 28th of 2012 when strong winds from Hurricane Isaac forced the river to flow backwards for almost an entire day. Wow. For almost 24 hours. It was like 22 and a half hours or something Mm. that the entire Mississippi River flowed backwards because of just the massive water pushing in on it along with the wind. And then, of course, wow. when the storm subsided, things you know kind of reverted back to its natural flow. But, but yeah, so a, so a river yeah. as massive as the Mississippi River can literally hit the reverse button, mm-hmm. uh, or, or at least nature can make it hit the reverse button. It just goes the, the yeah. opposite direction. Yeah, and yeah, I, remember, I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, no, that has to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, that can't be real, you know. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, oh, yeah, sure enough, it's, it's happened several, several times to several rivers on Earth. Oh wow! Now yeah. I had no idea that was a that was a thing because yeah. you feel like all of them have these tributaries flowing into them and they can only flow in one direction. So it takes a force. I mean, yeah. just something usually usually huge. Like, like like an earthquake or like a a big time hurricane. Yeah, it's not just like a a tornado or like a torrential downpour. That's just only going to make it f- flow quicker and harder one way, right? Sure. It's usually something pretty catastrophic to make it just literally flip and, and, and change course. And again, normally when it happens, it, it's it's about 6 to 12 hours. Mm-hmm. But but I think the record was almost 24 hours in 2012. Oh, man. It, it, is the Mississippi River where uh, Huck Finn and, mm-hmm. and Tom Sawyer and all yep. that, all oh, that yeah. occurred? Yep. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, and I, I think I've uh, I've been through I've been to it or you know over it up to it touched it whatever once <laughs> when when we were uh, driving to San Antonio oh, okay. we sort of stopped by on our way just to, just to say we did you know we came back so yeah very cool it's pretty cool well Jason I think that brings us to the end of the episode uh, anything we missed or anything to add that's just fascinating about water rivers oceans waterfalls sprinkler systems anything uh in terms of water i do like buying like different types of ice trays with different little you know images and how the sure. water will freeze I, yeah. I have some i have some different like you know like sports ice trays yeah things of that nature that's cool yeah we we need some like slapdash ice trays yeah we do that's that's what we need we'll do that yeah sounds fun and also toasters you know it'll, it'll toast <laughs> your bread on there? yeah yeah, that's we we need to get on that. All right, we'll do that. We'll we'll add some items to the slapdash shop. How's that? Sounds good. All right. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Please share the podcast with a friend. You can also find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at SlapdashBot. And we'll catch you in the next episode. That's some high quality H2O you have there. Thank you, sir. <laughs>